Good to see everybody that's here this morning. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, online there. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, and our phone live streaming. If you'll just call the church office at 931-455-0645, we'll be glad to give you that number. If you need that number in person, uh, please let us know, and we'll be glad to give that to you. If you're here in person and you didn't get one of our uh, bulletins, want to encourage you uh, to get one of those this morning. You can get one of those at the back uh, either way uh, or in the windowsill. There may be some, uh, as well as there are our children worship bulletins. If you're online, uh, you can go to our info tab. It's just a few tabs over on our website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Uh, just go a few tabs over. You'll be able to click there and see the newsletter, uh, the bulletin for today, as well as the worship bulletins for the children, uh, ages seven and up and ages three and up. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsill over here, as well as you can download the prayer list there. But we're glad to have everybody this morning. Uh, hope you're ready for worship uh, this morning. And the battle is fought on our knees in prayer before the Lord. And we'll be doing that in just a moment. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come. Well, if you've asked Christ into your heart, then we are the ones that have a family of God. So this morning, as practice for eternity, I want you to stand and let's praise God singing the family of God. Go on the choir. We'll sing it twice. As we come to our missionary moments, you'll find our missionary moment in your bulletins this morning. You'll see the picture on the screen there of Jonathan and Melissa Parnell. Uh, they are serving in Minnesota in the Twin Cities there of uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, they are there as church planters and seeking to multiply uh, churches and the church movement there. God has been using them there, but there is still such a great work. As you'll notice there in the bulletin, it tells us that there's only one Southern Baptist church for every 56,800 plus people. And so there is lots of work to be done. Uh, God is blessing them, but we just want to pray uh, that God's hand would be upon them as they continue the work that God has led them to here this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness this morning. Uh, Father, we just want to ask, Lord, that you will be with uh, Jonathan and Melissa. Lord, that you'll have your hand upon them. Watch over them. Keep them safe as they are serving there in Minnesota. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will just bless them in a powerful way. And Lord, we pray that you'll help them as they seek to start more churches, reaching more lost people, discipling uh, those believers. And Father, I just pray that uh, the churches will continue to multiply as that's what we're all to be about, uh, is multiplying believers and, and seeing your kingdom grow. So we ask your special blessings upon them as well as all of our other missionaries around North America and the world. So keep them safe uh, in your arms and, and bless them this day as they are gathered to worship. Lord, bless our service this morning as we come to worship you. Father, we give you everything and ask for your will to be done in our hearts and our lives as we come to sing your praises, as we come to hear the truth from your word. May you speak truth into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, as we said, it is good to see everybody this morning. Let me just give you a couple of quick things, especially if you're there online. If you would, go to our church website, highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go over to uh, the, the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there, uh, and encourage you to go ahead and do your online giving there. You can do that in person if you're here. Uh, you can also pick up your envelopes. Uh, there are some that are in the pews in front of you. Some pews may not have them, so just check around to another one. Uh, or there's some on the back wall as well as in the windowsills there. So be sure to uh, take that and, and fill that out and give your offering there. Uh, let me just remind you too, Vacation Bible School. Man, it's coming up very quickly here. So if you're planning to help us or would like to help us, uh, please talk to myself, Pastor Matt, uh, talk to uh, Amanda Jordan. She's up there. So uh, be sure to see her uh, about volunteering. If you want to register for Vacation Bible School and you've not done that yet, you'll find in your bulletin this picture down at the bottom. It was in the video that was on the screen earlier. We'll have it on the screen next week. It's also on our website. Uh, you can just uh, pull out your, cam your phone, uh, open your camera there, put it over that picture, uh, and a little thing will pop up for you to click on it to do uh, your registration online there. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. If you think, I just don't like all that tech, I want to do it old school, we've got paper ones for you to do uh, also. So uh, those are on uh, the, the stand out here uh, in the hallway. So be sure, as well as at the door uh, when you go back that way. So be sure to pick those up. And then just as a reminder, we've only got a very few of the baby bottles left. Uh, so just want to encourage you to, to pick up one of those uh, for uh, life choices uh, over in Manchester. Uh, we're collecting these through, or collecting the money in them through Father's Day, and we'll ask you to bring them on Father's Day, if you will. So just hang on to them till then. Uh, we, we'll collect them then. So be sure to pick up the ones if you want those. And then last Sunday, if you weren't here to get one of our Mother's Day gifts, there are a few of those left. They're on the table back here. So if you came in from that direction, go to the table back here in the hallway and you can pick up one of the Mother's Day gifts there. So just wanted to remind you of those things. Uh, there's a lot of other announcements that'll be at the end as well as those that are in your bulletin. So, so glad to see everybody this morning. Uh, let's worship again, Brother Mike, if you will. Take your hymnals and while you're looking it up on hymn 390, Miss Pat, I think you kicked into a little Southern Gospel on that last, yeah, I think we heard some of that coming in there a little bit. But, uh, Let's sing all together, We Are Called to Be God's People, hymn 390. We are called 
was a lot of words, and I didn't get them all. I hope you did. Let's stand now and with a reminder of Children's Church being meet, meeting over here during this song over to the piano side. Let's stand and sing 337. I know whom I have believed. 337. Thank you, Miss Bannon.
Amen. It's great to see young people worshiping like that, isn't it? And our young people have got some events that are going to be coming up. Our children are going to be going to uh, camp as well as our youth will be. Uh, and we're just praying that God will do an awesome work in all of their hearts and their lives. Take your Bible this morning, if you will, and turn to Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 20. I've entitled this message this morning, The Sower and the Seed. And you're going to see in just a moment how this could very easily be entitled, The Parable of the soils. And we'll see that in a moment. So verse 1 through verse 3 is where we're going to begin. Mark chapter 4, would you stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning again, Lord, we humbly come asking for you to show up in a powerful way this morning. We want that to be the testimony of the song that we just heard sung, Lord, that we are saved, that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So I pray, Lord, if there's anyone who's watching online, anyone who's listening, anyone who's present here this morning who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to work even now to draw them by faith to the foot of the cross to surrender their heart and their life to Jesus. Lord, bless your word this morning, and may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Let me take just a moment also, if you will, to go down to verse 9 through verse 14, and we'll continue uh, looking at a few other verses here that have to do with what Jesus is talking about. Jesus begins here with a new method of teaching, and he's using parables to teach. This is the first time that we've read in the Gospels where he begins to do this. And if you'll notice that the setting we just saw said that he was by the seashore, so he's on the seashore there, and, and there's a great crowd that's gathered there. In fact, one of the other Gospels tells us that he has to get out into a boat to get just a little bit out from the crowd because the crowds were crowding Jesus from every city. Thousands were flocking to see Jesus from everywhere. Uh, and, and you could estimate the numbers uh, of the people that are there on the basis of, of the miracles that Jesus had performed. You remember when he fed the 5,000, there were 5,000 men, the Scripture tells us there, and that doesn't include the women and children, which would have outnumbered the men by far. Uh, we're probably safe to say, as we can in every generation, that more women followed Jesus than men, and families were larger than the average family size today. Apparently, the crowd would have been well over 20,000 who would have been gathered there. And this multitude was so great that they overflowed the seashore. And, and they're pressing in upon Jesus so much, we said, that he's forced out into this boat. And he used what we saw, or what he saw around himself there. And he does this many times later also to illustrate what life would be like for them when they get to heaven. And so he begins to teach them in parables. Now that word parable simply means this to set down alongside of. So he uses parables because they were an earthly story 
with a heavenly meaning. So look, if you will, at verse 9. He said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then it goes on to tell us uh, that when he was alone with, uh, he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Because as he's speaking, he's telling them, as we're going to see here, a story. And they want to understand what's the meaning of this story that you're telling us. And so he says to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he says this in verse 14, the sower sows the word. So before we get into this parable, let me just ask you this to to put on your thinking cap, if you will, for just a moment. Because I want to ask you three questions to give an answer to to these following three questions. Understand this, if if the gospel is the power of God, then why doesn't everyone who hears the gospel become a Christian? Think about this, second question. If the Bible is the Word of God, why doesn't the Bible have the same effect on everyone who reads it? If, here's, the, here's the third question. If Jesus is the Son of God, why doesn't everyone believe in Jesus? You could narrow those questions and say, why don't most people who hear the gospel become a Christian? Why don't most people who read the Bible believe it and have it change their life? Why don't most people believe in Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us a parable here to answer all three of those questions. In fact, it's one of the most well-known parables in all of the Bible. It's known as the parable of the sower and the seeds, but as we said, it could be very easily titled the parable of the soils. Because as you listen to this parable, we're going to find three main components as you read verses 3 through verse 9. Let me encourage you some words that you might want to underline or circle or highlight there in your Bible. In verse 3, there's the word sower. Sower. In verse 4, there's the word seed. Seed. You'll find that word in verse 4, in verse 5, in verse 7, and in verse 8. Uh, And I encourage you to highlight those. And then uh, you'll find uh, three different words, one in verse 4 called the path, one in verse 5 called the ground, and and then again in verse 8, soil. Now, all of those are talking about the same thing in a physical aspect. It's talking about the soil. So you could just use the one word, soil, but depending on which version you're reading, it may have the word soil in all three places. Uh, But the word ground there in in verse 5, the word path in verse 4, and the word soil in verse 8. Because these are the three components of the parable. There's the sower, there's the seed, and there's the soil. So let me go ahead and identify for you what each one of these three represent at the beginning. We'll see them as we go through again. The sower is the saint. It's those who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, those who are part of the family of God. The sower is the saint. The seed is the Scripture. It's the Word of God. And the soil is the soul. 
Now, how do we know this? We know it because Jesus tells us. We don't have to guess uh, what the meaning of this parable is. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, when Jesus is giving this parable, Luke says that he says, the seed is the word of God. Uh, and, and he says that here in verse 14. Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. So we know that when he's talking here, he's talking about physical things. He's talking about a sower. He's talking about seed. He's talking about soil. Everybody knows what those things mean. But there's also a, a double meaning to what he's talking about here. He's talking about some spiritual application for us in these verses. So why would Jesus compare the Word of God to a seed? Because a seed is productive. The very purpose of a seed is to produce fruit. And the Word of God produces the fruit of children of God, of more people coming to faith in God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. And so First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. If you have become a believer here this morning, it's because at some point in your life you heard the truth of the gospel in the Word of God. And so notice here also that a seed can't plant itself. It needs a sower. That's what verse 3 told us. So in the parable we said the sower is the saint. It's you and me who are believers in Christ. And that's what God has called every Christian to be, a seed sower. I can't make people get saved, and neither can you. But what you can do is share the gospel. That's like casting the seed. And so some sow and some water. Uh, so don't get discouraged because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so we need to remember that. Psalm, the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 126 and verse 6. He says, He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed of sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I remember actually I, I may have preached this several years ago, not here, uh, but at my previous church, uh, I had in my notes that there was a thing such as called a 16-row corn planter. I went back and was doing some research to make sure is that still exists. You know what they have now? They have a 24-row corn planter. Could you imagine that? How many of you here have gardens? Anybody? I see a few, a few hands. We used to have a, a big garden uh, where we were before. In fact, my daughter sent me a picture uh, this week. I should have put it on the screen for you to see. Uh, our rows were about 110 foot long. We had a pro probably a section that we gardened in about 15, 20 foot wide. And that's one of the precious memories she has of, of gardening. And I've always loved uh, to garden. But could you imagine behind a tractor having a device that fans out and has 12 rows on one side and 12 rows on the other side that is planting seeds at certain intervals as you're going down a row. And you could do 24 rows in a garden at one time. Now, you probably couldn't get that in your garden. <laughs> It'd probably take your farm, a major farm, uh, to do that on. But you see some of those, uh, especially out in the Midwest. Uh, th there's a 24-row corn planter that can plant 24 rows in one pass. But in the New Testament, that's not the way they plant it. 
In fact, the way we plant in our home gardens is not the way that they planted in the New Testament. We plant uh, by digging furrows and digging rows and then he heaping up a mound, a hill, if you will, where we're planting our seed. And we'll reach down and we'll put one in the ground and another in the ground and another in the ground ever so far that we know the seed needs to be planted. And we'll do that all the way down the row. In these days, in the Bible days, uh, what a sower did is a sower would have a satchel, a bag, if you will, that he had over him. And, and he would reach into that satchel where all the seed was, and he would take and grab a handful of that seed, and he would just cast it. He would cast it out on the ground. And there would be others who would come in behind him with something like what we might term today as a rake. And they would be uh, shuffling the soil around to get those seeds down a little bit into the soil. But he'd be taken and casting those seeds. And wherever those seeds fell, that's where they fell. And so what Jesus is talking about here, every person who he's speaking to understands exactly what he's saying. Here's a sower who's sowing seed. Not like we do, planting one by one or planting with a 24-row corn planter. He's taking seed out of a bag and casting it. And he's casting it. And he's casting it. And he's casting it. So keep that image in your mind as Jesus goes on through this parable. So the interesting thing that we see in that is that wherever the seed fell, that's where it fell. Uh, they didn't till the ground. There would be those who would be scratchers who would come and scratch over the ground to cover the seeds. But notice this in this parable. The real focus of this parable is not on the sower. It's not on the one who's casting the seed. The real focus of this parable is not in the seed. The real focus of this parable is in the soil. And you're going to see four kinds of soil here that the seed falls on. In fact, what we see here is that even the best sower with the best seed will never have a good harvest unless he has good soil. Did you get that? The best sower with the best seed will never have a harvest unless he has good soil. Now, what is the soil? The soil is the soul, or, or what you and I would call the heart. That's the spiritual emphasis of what Jesus is talking about here. If you go down to verse 15, Jesus says this in verse 15. He says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And so, you know, Bible study is very, very important both individually and corporately. And it's important to read the Bible to hear the Bible. And God is going to teach us that even though you read the Bible with your eyes... And even though you may hear the Bible with your ears, you have to receive the Bible into your heart. Did you know that the Bible is the only book ever written that requires the right heart to benefit from it? You can read a novel, you can read a newspaper uh, with a cold, hard, wicked, indifferent heart, and you can get all the information that you need out of that book or that uh, newspaper. But the Bible is a closed book to anyone who doesn't have a right heart with God. And so notice that Jesus talks here about four kinds, not just of soil, there's a spiritual application here, but four types of hearts. And the question arises, which heart is yours? 
Here's the first thing he tells us. Stubborn hearts reject the Word. Stubborn hearts reject the Word. Notice verse 4, if you will. So the sower has gone out to sow, as verse 3 told us. And now verse 4 says, He sowed, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Now, when Jesus is talking about the path or the wayside, he's talking about something uh, similar to what we would have in our gardens today. As you maybe plant a row, uh, you've got your mounds down here, you've got your, your hill that you've piled up to plant your seeds in, and you walk in between the rows. When you walk in between the rows, that soil becomes packed. It becomes hard. The soil that's in those hills has been loosened. But you keep walking back and forth. Uh, when you're cleaning your garden out and you're getting all the weeds out, that's the part you walk on. You don't walk where the seeds have been planted. And so in those days, even though they didn't plant by rows, they had certain paths that they walked so that they weren't stepping on the seed. And everywhere they walked on those certain paths that they walked on that wayside or path, that soil is becoming packed. It's becoming harder and harder with each step that's walked upon it. And so as they're walking through the fields, they're walking along that same path wherever they're going. And so as many different people walked along that path, the ground becomes rock hard as they trample down all that grass. And this, this was the soil where the seed couldn't get in. It, couldn't, it could get on the ground, but it couldn't get in the ground. Jesus said that there are some hearts that are just like that. He explains it in this way. Look down to verse 15, if you will. So here's where he goes to the explanation and says, And these are the ones along the path where the Word, the Word of God is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the Word that is sown in them. Now, I want you to understand this. There are some people who, who tune us in every Sunday or Wednesday online, or, or they listen to us on the phone, or there are some who come to church Sunday after Sunday, whether it's this church or, or another church, and they hear a sermon, and it goes in one ear and out the other. And they don't pay any mind to what God's Word has to say. Their heart is, is kind of like a roof that's surrounded by gutters and all the water of God's Word just washes right off that roof, down into the gutters, down the drain, into the dirt, and does them no good whatsoever. Sometimes people say, well, well preachers just don't preach like they used to. That may be true. But I can tell you something else from my viewpoint. People don't listen the way they used to listen either. I believe in the heart of America, the heart of America is harder than it's ever been against the Word of God in its history. It's very possible to harden your heart against God's Word. Here's what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7 says. Again, he appoints a certain day, today saying, through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You can harden your heart by rejecting the word with sin. It's like you're walking back and forth over that same path in your life, and, and your heart gets harder and harder. 
And when you harden your heart to sin, you'll harden your heart to the Savior. And when you harden your heart to the Savior, you harden your heart to the Scripture. It's a very dangerous thing to hear the truth of God's Word because then you have to do something with that truth. Every time you hear the truth, it'll either soften your heart or it'll harden your heart. The truth is is just like the sun. The same sun that melts butter hardens clay. You get that? The same sun that melts butter hardens clay. The number one physical killer in America is heart disease. It's called arteriosclerosis which is hardening of the arteries. But the number one spiritual killer in this world is what we call spiritual sclerosis, a hardening of the heart. You know, there are people who who come to church every Sunday, they go to church every Sunday, but they aren't going to listen. They've already determined before they walked in the door, I'm not going to listen to anything they have to say. They're not going to listen to anything that the Bible has to say about salvation, about stewardship, about service, about spirituality. They may put some change in the plate, but they're not going to make any change in their heart. Jesus said a stubborn heart rejects the Word. Notice the second soil he describes here, the second heart. Shallow hearts remove the Word. Notice verse 5 and verse 6. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So get the picture of the type of soil that Jesus is talking about here. This type of soil here was very deceptive. If you think about Israel, think about the climate and and the topography of Israel. Most of it is limestone and bedrock that's covered with a very thin layer of soil. And so whatever, whenever you plant seed on this soil, oftentimes it can't take root because even though it appears to grow, it runs into hard rock. The first soil where, where, soil, where the seed couldn't get in, this soil is where the seed can't get down. And so who was Jesus describing here? Look at verse 16 and verse 17, and you'll see his explanation. Verse 16 says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So what Jesus is describing is a person here who comes to Jesus and and supposedly makes a decision for Jesus but is nothing more than a superficial, shallow emotionalism that doesn't become true salvation. We've all known people like that. They go up like a rocket and they come down like a rock. The reason they fall away is because of trials and troubles, he says, and tribulations that come into their life. They're like a person who who wants to march in the army as a four-star general, but when the first fighting starts and and the bullets fly and the first bombs hit, they're the first ones to desert. 
There have been many people through the years who have walked down the aisles of churches, cried tears, got baptized, and for a brief while came to every service of the church. You would have thought they were on fire for God. But something happened along the way and they flamed out and you never hear from them again. And these people, what we see, were never really saved. You say, well, how do you know that they're not saved? First of all, because Jesus says so. As we saw in verse 6 and verse 17, he tells us these plants have no root. Understand this, that the source of life in any plant is a root. A plant that has a leaf but has no root dies, is dead. It has no life. You can't lose what you never had. And so a Christian may fall down, but they never truly fall away. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Uh, there's an interesting article that I came across that's entitled 178 Seconds to Live. It was about the results of 20 pilots in a simulator. Each of the pilots were skilled aviators but hadn't taken any instrument training. So as long as the weather was good in their simulator, uh, they, they were all experts in flight, and, and they didn't have any trouble flying the plane. But these pilots, they were placed in the simulator and asked to keep their plane under control as they flew through simulated clouds and bad weather. All 20 of the pilots lost control of their planes and crashed in an average time span of 178 seconds. These pilots, who they knew were very capable uh, at keeping the plane flying in good weather, they couldn't survive three minutes in bad weather. That's exactly what happens in those who may profess with their lips to be a Christian, but they're far from God in their hearts. As long as everything is going good in their life, they bring their Bible to church, they attend the same Sunday school class we attend, but when the first trouble hits in their life, they're gone and they turn away. And they say, you know, Jesus isn't just what I thought he was. Christianity isn't what I thought it was. And they give evidence that what they really had was a shallow heart. There really was no life. And that's exactly the meaning of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19 where it tells us they went out from us but they were not of us. For if they had been of us they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Jesus said that a stubborn heart rejects the word and a shallow heart removes the word. And now he says a strangled heart restricts the word. Notice verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And so get the picture here. The first soil was where the seed couldn't get down. But this is a soil where the seed can't get out. The reason is, is because it's sown among the thorns. It's sown among the weeds and the briars and the brambles. And, and the life of it is literally choked out. What did Jesus mean by this? We'll look down to verse 18 and verse 19 and look at his explanation of what he was saying. He says, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So there are several things here, according to Jesus, that literally can choke the spiritual life out of a person and can prevent them from having a true relationship with God. One of those things is the cares of this world or the problems of life that we all have. And unfortunately, people don't realize that Christians have problems just like non-Christians. We all have problems. But what happens here is their response to the problems, their response to the trials and the troubles. They let the cares of this world begin to choke out the Word of God. He says there's the deceitfulness of riches or the properties of life, the tendency to make this world our home and to, and to care everything about this world uh, that's here and nothing about where we're going to spend eternity. And then he says there's the desire for other things, pleasures of this life, the desire to make sure that, that I'm living in comfort and ease and, and not count the cost of following Jesus. Jesus is describing people here who probably make up most of most churches today who are trying to hold Jesus in one hand and the world in the other hand. These are people who, who make a decision for, for God because they're broken over sin, but they're never broken from their sin. They never repent and turn away from their sin. These are those who are so earthly-minded that they're of no heavenly good. They never really come to the point of salvation, never really come to the point of repentance where they totally turn away from sin and totally trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice when this seed is choked out, it's not describing a person here who's lost their salvation. This is a person who never had it. This describes a heart that was uh, unprepared because it was so full of weeds and thorns. It never really allowed the seed of the gospel to bear fruit. It's a heart that was strangled by the problems of life, by the prosperity of life, by the pleasures of this world and the spiritual life of it was choked out. And Jesus said, stubborn hearts reject the word. Shallow hearts remove the word. Strangled hearts restrict the word. So keep that image in your mind. Here's the sower. He's just casting seed out there. And some of it's going to fall on, uh, on, the, on the bad soil, on the hard soil, on the path. Some of it's going to fall on the rocky ground where it starts up and it seems like it's going to do good, but it has no root. And then some of it, as he says here, is going to be those who, who it goes into some decent soil there. Things are growing in the soil. But what's growing in the soil? Weeds and briars, thorns, and all of those things are the cares of this world that begin to choke the life out of the Word of God. Here's the final soil that he mentions. It's in verse 8. Verse 8 says... And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So Jesus is talking here about a soil that is fertile, a soil that is fruitful. You know, one of the most important things about growing things in a garden or growing things in a container is the soil. If you don't have good soil, you're not going to grow anything. 
And so what we see here is that this soil is fertile. This soil is fruitful. What kind of heart is this? Notice verse 20. Verse 20, Jesus says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. Remember, some of these other soils heard the word. But these hear the word, and they accept it, they receive it, and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So Jesus says some things about this, this type of soil. He says, first of all, it's receptive to the Word of God. This is a person who hears the Word of God. That means in, instead of it going in one ear and coming out the other, this is a person who has the Word of God go into the ear, it gets into their mind, and then goes into their heart. But this is also a soul that is responsive to the Word of God because it not only hears it, it accepts it or it understands it. That word accept or understand, as Matthew's Gospel says, means to understand with comprehension and to be willing to do what you understand you're being told to do. We're being told in this passage to be a receptive heart. We have to receive the Word of God. That's why Jesus said this soil is reproductive of the Word of God because it bears fruit. And that's the real key, fruit. That's the real key. Everything else is just talk. Every one of us who are here this morning, those of you watching online, you can sit here and you can stand here all day long and say, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, I love the church, I love God's people, I love everything about God, but if there is no fruit whatsoever in your life, it is just words. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Everything else is just talk. There are some people who've made a response uh, to the Word of God, to, to the Lord Jesus, to His Gospel, and, and they think they're Christians, but God's Word says they're not. They've heard the truth in some superficial way. They've responded to it, but they're not born again. There are a lot of people who think that they are, but they aren't. The real issue is this. Is there any fruit in your life to demonstrate the reality of your faith? Is there any fruit in your life to demonstrate the reality of your faith. In the seed, think about this, in the seed are the seeds of other life. So you think about that. If you're sowing wheat, which is grain, what they would have been sowing here, you would have the, the wheat plant grow up, and, and in this piece that would come up on the top, there's a husk there, and inside that husk is the wheat, and there's more seed in that husk than what you planted in the ground. The way for us to think about it is like when you plant corn. When you plant a corn seed, you take one seed and you put it into the soil, put it into the ground, it grows up, and it may produce three, four, five, six ears of corn per stalk. And on each one of those ears of corn, you pull the shuck back, and what do you find? You find more seeds on each ear. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. Some seeds produce 30, some produce 60, some produce 100. Uh, it's different for each one. And, and so what we see here, though, is this, is that the seed, in the seed are the seeds of other life. Like a corn seed that grows and produces the ear of corn that has more seeds on it with life in them. And that's what happens with the Word of God. When it's planted into your heart, planted into the heart of somebody who is lost, who trusts in Jesus as Lord and Savior, it ought to be producing more fruit, more seed. It ought to be bringing more people to faith in Christ. Think about this. How many of you grew up 
in a Christian home and your parents taught you the Word of God? I see some hands being raised. There's life in the seed, and there's life in the seed more than one. There's a lot of fruit mentioned in the Bible. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of souls being saved. But there's got to be some kind of fruit, or the Bible says you can't be a Christian. That's what the Bible teaches. If the Word of God isn't bearing fruit in your life, you're not studying the Word of God. You're not hearing the Word of God. You're not receiving, accepting the Word of God. You're not obeying the Word of God. See, it's not an either-or situation. This message is not just about evangelism. It's not just about going and sharing the gospel. There's, when you sow the seed, and the, that's, the, that's the evangelistic aspect of it, the seed begins to grow up. If you just leave the seed there and you don't do anything to it, it's going to die. You've got to keep nourishing that plant. You've got to give it water. You've got to give it fertilizer. You've got to get the weeds away from it. And so you tend the ground. You tend the soil. That's the discipleship aspect that happens. And so it's both. It's, it's, the, it's two sides of, of the same coin. We're to be sharing the gospel, but we're to be growing people in the faith in Christ so that as you grow, you're winning more to faith in Christ and they're being discipled in Christ. And that process continues on. If that doesn't happen, the church dies. Not just the church at large, but this church dies. So one of the most shocking things to realize in this passage, though, is that three-fourths of the seed never bore any fruit. That sower, he's throwing seed out left and right as he's walking down the path. Some of it falls on the path. Some of it falls on the rocky ground. Some of it falls in the thorns. Some of it falls on the good soil. The only one that produces any fruit is the ones in the good soil. Three-fourths of the seed never produced any fruit. That's so important to understand. Because understand this, the problem in the parable isn't with the sower. The problem isn't with the seeds. The problem is with the soil. It's with the heart. When someone says, you know, I read my Bible, but I never get anything out of it. Know that the problem isn't with the Bible. The problem is with the heart, with the person. Number one reason why the average person will go through life and, and never solve their greatest problem is because they never know what it is. The heart of the, uh, of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And so if you fail to identify the problem, you'll never find the solution. So what's the point of this parable for you and for me? It's simply this. The gospel is the power of God. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus is the son of God. But you'll only believe this and receive this with a, with a surrendered heart. God, though, he can take a stubborn heart and he can move it to the place of being a shallow heart and he can move it from being a strangled heart to change it into a surrendered heart. There is still hope for you in this life today. What he's done for others, he will do for you. What kind of soil is your heart this morning? Do you know Jesus 
as your Lord and your Savior. If there is any doubt in your heart this morning, then I pray that you wouldn't let anything stand in the way of getting those doubts settled by coming and receiving the very free gift of grace that he's offered for you to receive into the soil of your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, as we have seen this parable, as we have read the understanding of it from Jesus himself, Father, as we have seen the application for our hearts and for our lives this morning, Father, I pray that, first of all, we who are gathered here, who, Lord, may be one of those three types of soil who we've never truly trusted and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if we are here this morning or we're watching online and we've got any doubt in our hearts and our lives, then, Lord, I pray that we would call out to you and say, Dear God, I'm tired of being filled with doubt, not knowing for sure, living with uncertainty. Lord, I want to make sure today that I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Because, Lord, when I look at my life, I've not seen the fruit. It's all been talk. So help me, Lord, to come this morning to get things right with you so that I can have that confidence to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to spend an eternity with you in heaven and that I could live faithfully here, reproducing more fruit in people's lives. Father, use us and bless us this morning. Father, I pray for those that they would come this morning to profess publicly by faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then, Lord, to follow through with believers' baptism. And, Lord, I pray this morning that if there are those who are here, though, who are believers, and maybe we realize, Lord, I've not been sowing like I should be sowing. Well, there's some fruit in my life, but there ought to be even more. And so, Father, I pray that we will realize that we're not the ones who are responsible for saving people. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to cast the seed like the sower. And then help us, Lord, to be faithful to tend the seed, to, to, to help the seed to grow, to water it, to fertilize it, to, to disciple those who become Christians. And help us, Lord, to walk alongside them uh, one by one, walking with them and encouraging them in their faith helping them to live this life faithfully for you. And Lord, in so doing, may we produce more fruit than we could ever realize or imagine as your kingdom begins to grow. Thank you, Lord, for your will, and we ask for your will in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation number 308, will you make your way and come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart, as you stand, as we sing.
morning. A couple quick uh, announcements. First of all, uh, Amanda Monroe has asked me to uh, thank everyone who came out this morning and uh, supported the uh, uh, pancake breakfast. It was a good turnout. Uh, the kids going to uh, Centra Kids, uh, was, they was able to, to raise some funds to help them and is very appreciative. So thank you very much. Uh, Amanda is also asking, as you know, she's in charge of our Vacation Bible School. Uh, she's also asking if any of the Sunday school classes would like to provide meals those evenings. Uh, Monday night is already taken, so you'll have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, Friday nights. So if your class would be interested, talk about it among each other and uh, get with Amanda uh, and let her know. Uh, also, a few announcements. Uh, deacons meeting this afternoon, 4 o'clock. Uh, and youth, make sure you're here at 145 if you're planning to go to the uh, youth movie night. So, And then uh, also wanted to mention uh, the youth fundraiser next week. It's a barbecue. It'll be right after service. Uh, no charge, just donations. And again, this is to helping our youth to go to their camps. Uh, a couple other... I'm unorganized here. Uh, do have one special prayer request, and that's for uh, Anna Johnson, who's a neighbor of Marlene Parker, and I believe she passed away this past week, so just be in prayer for that family. And normally on this Sunday is when we recognize our graduates, and I don't believe we have any high school graduates this year, but we do have three college graduates that we're aware of. And if they're present, if you're here, I'd like for you to stand when I read off your name. The first one is Dr. Heather Royalton Carlton. She's a graduate of Southern College of Optometry. Okay. Uh, our next one is Will Stone, graduate of Motlow State Community College. And our third is Isaac Raymond, uh, graduate of Tennessee College of Applied Technology. So. We just want to uh, congratulate all of them, and our prayers will be with each and every one of them as they uh, take this next stage of their life. And if there's no other announcements that you're aware of, okay, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being the great and awesome God that you are. Knowing, Father, that you're there each and every day of our lives, with us each and every step that we take to, to walk with us and lift us up and, and take care of our needs. Father, we just ask that you be with all of these graduates that we have, that you, uh, you will uh, be with them and guide them, direct them throughout their lives. And uh, 
Lord, we just pray that uh, they continue to look upon you for, uh, for guidance. Father, we're just thankful for the many programs we have here at Highland. Just thankful for the leadership that we have to, uh, to support these groups. Father, we're just so thankful for the leadership we have here and Brother Jim and Matt and, and Mike and the music. Just, and each and every one, Father, who has a special part. We're just so blessed and we're just so thankful. Father, we just ask you to be with those that need you in a special way, those who are sick or suffering. Uh, just be with our, our, our military and our, our, special, our special responders. Just be with each and every one of them. Father, as we go now, we just, throughout this week, just, we just hope and pray, Father, that uh, others will see, uh, see you through our actions. As we go now, Father, just forgive us when we fail thee. These things we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.